0: Yes, Lord, you heard the words of our songs. Father, you said, David said, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable to you this evening. And even now, Lord, even as we spend the next one hour or an hour, Lord, to Meditate upon your word. I pray, Lord, you would speak to our hearts, Lord. We speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. You and you alone have the words of life. Speak to us. We want to hear from you, O Lord. And the very fact that we have come, Lord, is an act of faith that we want to hear from you. I pray, Lord, that we will be blessed because we came this evening. Speak to our hearts, O Lord. Wash us by the water of your word. sanctify us. Separate us. Father, in a measure this evening, O Lord, even as we listen, the very act of listening, O Lord, and Lord, accepting your word, let it cleanse us, O Lord. Cleanse us this evening, O Lord. And Lord, let your word not only just cleanse us, but let it find place in our hearts that you would write your laws in the deepmost parts of our inner man, and you would cause us to walk in your ways. Father, grant us grace to that end, we pray that you would therefore anoint, O Lord, even the speaking and the hearing of this word this evening. Speak to us. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so this evening I just wanted to continue on the topics that we've been looking and studying in our church uh, the last few weeks and Wednesdays and Sundays. Uh, one verse which we looked at last Wednesday uh, and such as do we get the second part. But the people that do know, do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And this this kind of has become a matrix in my mind now. It's become like a grid. no be, do. And I just, whenever I read scripture, I look at scripture with that grid these days. It's become a part of me so much. And uh, this is what we have been looking at. To know God, that act of knowing God in an intimate relationship Causes us to be the way God wants us to be and from that act of knowing and being is what is what comes out from us in in terms of service, worship, what have you. That we do mighty exploits, exploits for God. The highest premium therefore God places upon every one of us is to know him. That's the highest and the greatest premium. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 to 24. This is what what, what God's word says. The, thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boast boast in this, that he understands and knows me. You see that? That's the premium. That's what you need to boast. See? Um, Romans chapter 3 will talk about that. Where then, what becomes of our boasting? It is eliminated completely. Because we don't trust in our works or anything. Of We boast only in our knowledge of who God is. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Therefore the highest premium that God places... In our, in every believer's life, or in every life, any every person's life, is the fact that we do we know Him, the new we know Him, and we heard last last Sunday, uh, last Wednesday especially. John's Gospel chapter seventeen verse three will say, "And this is life eternal, that they may know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom You have sent." You see that this is real top priority for God to know Him, and what is this knowing? I, I, I read uh, some time back a book. Uh, at least twice, I read that book. One of my favorite books in my library is uh, by A. W. Tozer. He wrote a book called *The Knowledge of the Holy*. And this is what he says in one of his, in one of the chapters: What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's amazing. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Who God is, for us, defines who we are. And look at what he says. He goes on to say, We tend by a secret law of the soul to gravitate, to move toward our mental image of God. This is true not only for the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that compass the church. See, it's there everywhere. I mean, you go to any church... Any other church you visit, what they think about God determines what, how they worship. Their entire life is determined about who and what they understand about God. Therefore, knowing God first, primarily in our minds, so important to God, no? Look at it, I mean, the same book of Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 22 in the New Living Translation, it just captures this so beautifully. Look at what it says in Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 22. My people are foolish. They, what? Do not know me, says the Lord. They are stupid children who have no understanding. They are clever enough to do wrong. (laughs) But they have no idea how to do right. And why is this? Because they do not know me. And therefore they are very clever as to how to do wrong. But they are not very... We're smart as to how to do right. I mean, in other words, we don't have to be uh, to 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 manufacture in ourselves to be sneaky, right? And it, it happens at every level. I mean, it doesn't matter which level you are, that sneaky spirit is there in all of us. I mean, I'll tell you an example from my own life. Uh, my bathroom, my sink got clogged. And I didn't want my landlord to know. So what I wanted to do was, I wanted to sneak in the plumber and sneak out the plumber without him knowing. Otherwise, he will come and sit on my head and say, what, what has happened, etc. Et so, I didn't want that and I, I hope he doesn't listen to this, I don't know. <laughs> okay, but I don't think he would. So, I, I, I just wanted to, I didn't want to tell him. So, what I did was, I called the plumber, I fixed up an appointment and you know, in the evening, 6.30 to 7, he watches World Cup, thankfully. So, in that time, I just wanted to sneak in and sneak out. The plumber. So, that day, you know, providence has, divine providence has they, as they say, you know, it is God's in, Justin was not keeping too well, so she said, which I'm going to just go and sleep early, uh, just mind the children. So, she was there in the bedroom, she didn't want the dist- uh, children to disturb her and she locked up the bedroom and, and she asked the children to sleep in the other room. You now, they have a bunk bed now, they're all excited, so they, they went and started sleeping and ja- Abigail woke up. So, the plumber called me and I said, I'm coming. Uh, I told Abigail, just wait here, baby. Papa is going to come back. Don't disturb mama. Okay? Just give me five minutes. I'm going to pick him up. He's just waiting at the at the water tank. I'm just going to pick him up and come. Don't be scared. Five minutes. He said, okay, papa. I mean, I think she has an internal clock to count 300 seconds. So, 301st seconds, she started crying because I was still ba- wasn't back home. So, what did she do? She didn't want to disturb Mama. So she went downstairs and she started crying before the landlord. I mean, it was unbelievable. You know, it's, 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 I, and I said, you know, what? I'm clever enough. I'm stupid. I, I Really, I was stupid, right? So, I, and he started crying before, before the landlord and the landlord came out and uh, and he said, what is happening, Abigail? Papa is not there. And he started going, don't worry, don't worry. And lo and behold, Papa arrives with the plumber. What do you want to do? I wanted to sneak in the plumber, sneak out the plumber. And I was, my God, I said, Abigail. <laughs> and then, you know, I was making the plumber go alongside the landlord. And landlord said, oh, did he come to uh, fix up your bunk bed? I didn't hear him. I said, ah, I, I, I just went upstairs. You know, we're all very sneaky. We're very clever to do what is wrong. You see, but they have no idea what is to do right. See, this is what the highest, prim- I mean, you know, this is a sneaky spirit, by the way, it, it manifests in pastors this way. I mean, of course, I'm not the senior pastor, thankfully still. <laughs> That does not excuse me. I'm sorry. Okay, I I, I, I was feeling so guilty after that. I was like, Lord, what is this Lord? What a test Lord. Conscience pricking, you know. What am I doing? What an example am I sitting before my child. Clever to do what is right. What is wrong. Because we don't understand the holiness of God. And you know, I understood something about God that day. You know what? God does not tolerate even the littlest bit of sneakiness in each one of us. He will expose us. And we need to know him, therefore. Psalm 103 verse 7 says, He made known his ways to Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. You see, the children of Israel were not interested in knowing God. But there was only one man who wanted to know him. They only wanted gifts, 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 gifts from God, but not interested to know him at all. But Moses was of a different class. It was a different breed altogether, isn't it? He wanted to know him. And this is what his prayer, Exodus chapter 33 verse 13. Um, this is You know this very well. He says, That I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. I want to know you, Lord. You see, looked at desert babies last Sunday. Right? Among all the desert babies, of course, we are not talking about desert fathers. Desert fathers deserted their babies. That is what we heard last Sunday. If you heard it. They literally deserted their babies. They didn't care. And you know what happens to that generation. 600,000 men. It is actually 603,550 men. Apart from the Levites. Levites are not included. Excluding the Levites, 603,550 men, along with children, etc. Of all these 603,000 men, only two enter into the promised land. And the rest of them, of these 600,000, they die in the desert. But we know, we heard last Sunday, there was a set of desert children who had circumcision in their hearts, and of course they had the sign of circumcision when before at Jordan as well after they crossed Jordan. But you know what God was doing? He was looking at these people, these children, and he wanted to do something in their lives, you know. He was preparing them. You you, you understood that, right? The same food they ate, the same nourishment. I mean, they listened to the same word. But what happened to the desert fathers and what happened to the desert baby, the, the way they responded is completely different. Today, I want to look at two desert babies. Two sets, I would say. One is a set and the other is an individual. They are my one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and I used to look for opportunities to preach them. Today, <laughs> I have the opportunity. It's found in the book of Numbers. I titled today's message The Overcomers in the Desert. I want to I want to talk about the setting. It's found in the book of Numbers. By the way, the number the word numbers comes comes from the word Bemid Bar. What does it mean? in the wilderness that's what it means i don't want to give you give you what's happening over here i want to give you the the entire context of what's going on over here they enter into to come they come to sinai the law is given at sinai and after that before they go to the promised land there is a census which is taken and after that you remember they start moving and G- moses sends spies To the promised land. Ten spies come back with an evil report. Two spies speak a good report. And the ten spies instigate the entire congregation against Moses and the leadership and against God. And they say, you know what? Our little children will become captives. You have brought us into the desert to kill us. And God gets frustrated with them. And then he pronounces his judgment and this is what he says. Numbers chapter 14 and verses 26 onwards. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So they t- tell them, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. What? In, the, in this wilderness, your bodies will fall. And every one of you, of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and was grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land, I swore, with uplifted hand to make your own, except Caleb, the son of uh, Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nan. Only two of the 600,000 men. But what happens to the entire next generation? You see, the first generation is completely compromised. And God has pronounced a judgment that these people are not going to enter the promised land. They are not going to inherit... In our case, the life of Christ, they are not going to be overcomers. God already pronounced them. But then He pronounces something on the next generation. Look at this what He says. Look at what He says to the next generation. As for your children that you said, that you should, that you would be take the, that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in the wilderness. So already, There was a, there was a pronouncement, there was a judgment, which was pronounced on the compromised generation. And God is saying this next generation, which is, which you said will not, you know, will become fodder for the enemy. They will enter in and they will enjoy the land, but you will all die. So what is going to happen now? You see, the enemy is extremely smart. You know, what he's going to do, he understands that the first generation is absolutely useless. Now, they are not going to inherit. But what he's going to do now, he's going to target the next generation in whatever way he can, so that he can compromise them and he can stop them from, from inheriting the promised land. So the first thing he does, he after this uh, the, this judgment is pronounced, he instigates a rebellion. So, whenever you see a rebellion, you, and you need to understand it is no ordinary thing. It is something which is instigated by the devil himself. And especially it happens among people who are religious, with a religious spirit. So, this is, this is what happens in Numbers chapter 16. And I want to look at two categories of people, which, 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 which is, which is going to be the thrust of my sermon. Numbers chapter 16, Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and certain Reubenites, Dethan and Abiram, son of Eliab, and on the son of Peleth, became insolent. Other translations will say, they took men. And rose up against Moses. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. They, you know, this is like essentially the board of members in a particular church. Literally. You can, this is equivalent to that. And then what happens? So you know the story. They they rebel against Moses and Aaron's rod rod gets budded. But then God pronounces a judgment upon them. He says, "I'm going to destroy them. The earth is going to open up and then going to swallow them." This is what happens in Numbers chapter 16, verse 25 onwards. Moses got up and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. He warned the assembly. Move back from the tents of these wicked men. Do not touch anything belonging to them. Or you will be swept away because of all their sins. So they moved away from the tents of Korah, Dathan and Abiram. Dathan and Abiram came out and were standing with whom? With their wives and with the next generation. You see that? See? And then... One set of smart, intelligent, smart children of the sons of Korah, you know, Psalms of the sons of Korah, you know, remember or the Psalms of the sons of Korah, especially the most famous Psalm, Psalm 84, which we so famously misquote, we think it is a Psalm of David, it is not the Psalm of David, it is a Psalm of Korah, sons of Korah. It is better to be a what? A doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. In other words, they understand my father has been compromised. He is going to die. I don't want to be a part of my father's sin. He breaks free and he goes on to the other side. And therefore, Numbers chapter twenty-six verses ten to eleven will we'll we'll, will will uh, will note this. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah. We know the two people were taken up into heaven. We also see the people who were taken down into the earth. Them together, when that when that when that company died, when the fire devoured 250 men, but and they became a warning. But the sons of Korah, what happened to them? They did not die. You know what happened? They said, "You know what? This father is not going to influence me in my life." Let me tell you something now. Let me tell you something. Christendom will be full of people, especially in a leadership of bad examples, full of bad examples don't ever think that all leaders are absolutely fine no no their faith should not determine your faith no I remember ten years back i mean i mean this is a part of which is very close to my heart and and I know the the real pain that I as as a church member went through, 10 years back, when you know something happened in the previous church, there was a compromise in the leadership. And it broke my heart. It really, really broke my heart when I came to know the truth. And, and Justin and I, it we was just absolutely broken. And uh, I don't know if, if anyone, if you were a part of that, I went through that experience. It was traumatic for me, especially because I... Loved that man a lot. And I loved the church. And I had a friend who actually brought me to church. And he also came to know about it. We made a decision that day. One decided to break from the leader and to follow another one. And one decided not to follow the other one. He was completely broken. He left fellowship and he went away. I don't even know where he is now. And after I came to this church, I had my, you know, know, mentors come at interesting times. We had Shibu visiting us. You know Shibu, right? By this time you should know Shibu. Shibu was visiting us and I told him about the situation that happened in the church. And one of my friends who left, he said, what happened to that brother? I said, I told Shibu and I don't know. I spoke to him but he's not making a decision and I remember the words of Shibu to, to that friend, Kishan. If he's listening, let him listen. He said, Kishan, you will find a lot of wrong examples, but they are not your teachers. Don't have to follow them, Kishan. You know, when he told that, it just liberated my heart. Many of you don't know that. Liberated me. And that person is not even there. No, I don't even know where he is. It's amazing. The guy who actually brought me to church is no longer with me. One crucial decision changed the course of our lives. We were all, we were in it together actually in the same boat. You see. So what it tells me is this in, in Sons of Korah, you know, you don't have to follow the bad examples of Other people who have compromised, you don't have to. Because if you know the truth, if you know God, you don't have to follow them. You know it. You will know from the deep, deep down inside of your heart. This is the example I should not follow. And the sons of Korah understood that. But the problem here is, I mean, not the problem. It's the sons of Korah. It's a corporate, a bunch of people. We don't know their names. You know, whenever I see names, a bunch of people, I don't really get too excited. But I get excited when individuals take stands. You see, there are. See, it's always like you know. You see, Daniel is all is all alone. I mean, he's not all alone. He's got a bunch of Jewish guys who are who are with him. But he's one individual who takes a stand. And then you have, because of that individual, the entire exodus from Babylon back to Jerusalem starts with the decision of one guy who says, I will not defile myself. One guy. In the midst of a compromising, compromised world, he takes a decision not to compromise himself. And then of course we have the bunch of three people who get up with him. But you know something? They get, they get some interesting Talents and gifts from God. But Daniel gets always something special. He gets a special gift. You know what he gets? He gets a special gift of interpretation of dreams. Why does God have to give a special gift to him? Because God was saying this fellow. Even if others would not have taken a stand. He would have taken a stand. God honors him for that. And whenever I see individuals taking decisions. That excites me. It also tells me another interesting lesson. The lesson is. God is actually interested in individuals. Even though we come and gather as a body of Christ, we are a bunch and a set of individuals and God is interested in each and every one of your individual salvation. That is the reason the first book in the Bible is not Genesis chronologically. It is the book of Job because God was looking for one man who would be absolutely blameless before his sight. So, the sons of Korah, they all collectively took a decision. You see? They collectively took a decision. But then I look at individuals. There was one individual baby. A desert baby. One of my favorite characters in the entire Bible. Uh Uh-huh. What's his name? Phineas. But I want to put the context i want to set the context here see the enemy as i said is after the next generation which he knows is going to inherit the promised land so he incites a a rebellion tries to destroy a part of the of the of the next generation a part of them get destroyed but a part of them make a decision and say no we are not going to be a part of that and they come out the enemy will not give up he says you know what these fellows, if they continue on this path, they are going to devour me. So he incites Balak. He says, come here, come here. Call this fellow Balam. Compromise. I know him. I know him. You give him money. He will do anything. He will say anything that you want. You give him money. So Balak comes, does a song and dance sequence, captures the heart of Balam and asks him to Curse. This fellow Balaam goes to every vantage point possible, and only blessings are coming out. Why? See, God is see Satan already knows the next generation compromise. I know this fellow, except Joshua, Caleb, the rest of the guys will not will, will not. They are not a big problem, like I, like Pastor says, right? Uh, he killed everybody, all the servants, all the children of of Job, but he left only one person alive, and that is yeah, the wife of Job, right? I mean, a lesson there. But godly men don't have to have godly wives. Sometimes. He leaves them. Okay. To incite. And therefore, Satan is not interested in these fellows. who are already compromised. He is interested in the next generation. So what does he do? He calls Balaam and says, come on, curse him. And this fellow goes to every every vantage point. Only blessing, blessing, blessing is coming. And finally, this is what he says in Numbers chapter 23, verse 21. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Neither had he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him and the shout of king is among them. Therefore he shuts up and Balaam goes to his house and Balak goes to his house. That is how the narrative ends in Numbers chapter 24. But then before he leaves, he gives a very interesting suggestion to Balak. Before I go there, let's read, let's follow the narrative from Numbers chapter 25 in the New King James version. Now Israel remained in Acacia groove and the people began to commit harlotry with the woman of Moab. This is, well, I, I don't know what Balaam, how did Balaam know this? Maybe he was observing from the from the mountain. He was looking at all the men of Israel. I know these fellows. You know, that's how Satan is. He knows our secret lives very well. What we do in secret, you think that other men don't see, but he sees, God sees. In the spiritual realm, nothing is hidden. So he understands this weakness. These fellows are given up to lust. They love women. So what did they do? I like this word. They invited. It starts with an invitation. They invited the people to sacrifice of their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of pure, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, every one of you kill his men. uh, Kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And then once, you see what happens? And indeed, one of the children of Israel came. And he presented to his brethren a Midianite woman. So he was openly flaunting the girl that he is is having sexual relations with. In the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel. Who were weeping at the door of the congregation. You'll understand this idea behind this, by the way. This is found in Numbers chapter 31 verse 16, which I was talking about. The idea which Balaam gave before he uh, he departed to his home. Behold, these, these, that is Midianites and the Moabites, on Balaam's advice, caused the people of Israel to act treacherously against the Lord in the incident of Pure. And so the plague came among the congregation of the children of Israel. You need to understand something that is... So interesting that is happening over here. There is idolatry that is taking place. And that idolatry is leading to something physical. In the physical realm, the sexual immorality. So idolatry is leading to sexual immorality. And God is going to give us what is happening. What is, what is going on over here? If you find this in the book of Revelation... And I'll try to see what's, uh, I'll try to explain what is happening over here. In Revelation chapter 2, this is a New Living Translation, verse 12 onwards. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one who has the uh, sharp edged sword. I know, I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. You refuse to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. So what has happened? You ha- God is commending this, uh, this uh, church. He's saying, you guys were fantastic. You did not compromise right at the place where Satan's throne is there. And even when one of your church members was martyred, you stood strong. But what happens next? Verse 14. But I have a few complaints against you. Look at this verse. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam or doctrine, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel, he taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. Now let me tell you something. In your fight against sin, there is a sin that you commit, but there is something else which is empowering that's sin. How many of you have seen the movie Ben-Hur? Not the latest one. The old one. I saw it a number of times. Pfft, love it. Okay. This is Ben-Hur, 1959. Uh, you remember the story. I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, I recommend it to you. You can watch it. Watch it carefully this time. <laughs> okay. So, Masala is coming to Judea. He's going to take over the platoon and he's going to relieve one of the commanders his name is sextus so he comes to sextus and uh, so he the charges I mean there's a ceremony that happens uh there's, he takes over the charge and he goes now to the to the to the retiring room say they unwind and he asks sextus how it's how is it going on how did you manage and he sextus says baba this province this is one of the toughest provinces to 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 uh to govern and masala says the emperor is not happy. He wants Judea to be a province which is under the authority of Caesar. And Sextus complains. He says, "You don't understand what goes on over here. There's one, this this guy, guy called John the Baptist. There's guy, this guy called Jesus, etc., etc. There's so many people who started inside rebellion." And Masala says, "What do you? Why don't you just capture them? Why don't you just arrest them? Why don't you just put them in prison? Why don't you just punish them?" And this is what Sextus says. I like this dialogue. You can break a man's skull. You can arrest him. You can throw him into a dungeon. But how do you fight an idea? Masala? And Masala in his characteristic way says, Sextus, you ask how to fight an idea? Well, I'll tell you. With another idea. So, in your battle against sin, There are two components, there is a sin that you commit and there is an idea behind the sin which is empowering that sin. So what you need to do and this is an incredible insight which is given to Phineas. Phineas observes what is going on over here and I believe through Phineas God is teaching a lesson to all of us. He wants to overcome sin in his life. He doesn't want to be a part of the compromised generation. So what what does he do? In in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 this is what Paul will say. Therefore my beloved flee from idolatry. What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord in the cup of demons. So what what does Phineas do in Numbers chapter 25? Oh, you you remember this. Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 8. But they are altogether dull-hearted and foolish. A wooden idol is a worthless idea. It's a doctrine. Behind an idol, there is a doctrine. And behind the doctrine, there is a demon. And that is the one who is inciting the sin. And therefore, if you want to overcome sin, so how does how does this guy overcome? You know what does Phineas do? Now Phineas, the son of Eleazar, You see, Moses is sitting and weeping. The elders are sitting and weeping. They are not doing anything. That is incredible. One man of God, when he was actually writing a commentary, he was saying, how come Moses was not doing anything about this? Was he also compromised? Was he a little lenient because his wife also was a Midianite woman? It's amazing. He just shuts his mouth and he's not doing anything. But you know what happens? Elias says, forget about it. If Moses is not doing anything, I'm doing something. The son of Aaron, the priest, saw it. He rose from among the congregation, took a javelin in his hand. He went after the man of Israel. That is a sin. In the tent and thrust of them, what? Through the man of Israel. Did he stop there? And... You see, you need to kill the sin and the idea which is empowering that sin. How do I know this? How do I know this is an idea? How did I come to that conclusion? You may ask, which are you not reading too much into the text? Well, I did read too much into the text. I read it into the Hebrew actually and you know when whenever the names of particular leaders are given, you need to be careful and analyze what is going on over there. You know the name of this guy and the girl, both are given. So let's see, it's found in Numbers chapter 14, the name, the the Israelite man killed with Midianite woman was named Zimri, the son of Salu. The leader of a family from the tribe of Simeon. So you see, the leadership is absolutely compromised. The 600,000 men. Can you imagine? Think about it. No, think about it. Think about it. The judgment of God has been pronounced over their lives. They are not entering into the promised land. They should have said, they should have humbled themselves and said, okay, Lord. Okay, we are not entering into the promised land, but let us do everything possible so that our next generation will enter into the promised land. That's exactly what David did. You know what God said, David, told David, you know, David, You're not going to build a temple. You know why? Because you're a man of blood. David said, hey, take it easy, God. I mean, not take it easy. I said, okay, it's okay, Lord. If I don't want to build a temple, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do everything possible for my son so that he can build the temple of the Lord. I am going to teach him. I'm going to give him the blueprint. I'm going to give him the resources. I'm going to work hard for my next generation. That should have been the response. But instead what they do? They are absolutely compromised. You see? The names are given. What are the, what do the names mean? I like the names. The guy's name is Zimri. Means my music. Ah, that's interesting. My music. He's a son of Salu. Exalted music. In other words, my exalted music. But what is your music being powered by? This is the catch. You know what the name Cosby means? My lie. That is Cosby. So what is happening to an Israelite man? His music is being empowered by A lie. So it's not only sufficient to kill the sin. You have to kill the lie that empowers sin. And unless you do that, you will not really overcome. Zur means God of lies. This is the daughter of Zur. God of Lice. Cosby, who's the daughter of the God of lies, she's literally Satan's daughter. That is exactly the reason why Pastor James keeps telling us: if you marry an unbeliever, you will get Satan as your father-in-law. The father of lies, the God of all lies will be your father. Now, the problem here is this: there are three levels of destruction. How many levels? Three. Level one. Destroy the sin. Level 2. Destroy the lie behind the sin. Level 3. Destroy the God behind the lie that empowers the sin. You can't just destroy the idea. You should fight against the powers of darkness that empower the sin. That is the reason why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of the people so that they will not be able to see the... Glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's been blinded. And that is what has to be fought. So. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 to 5 will say. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh. But have divine power to destroy strongholds. You know something? This is Phineas. Whose heart was truly circumcised in the wilderness. You see? That is the reason why he was made a leader. That is what God wanted to protect. Let me tell you something. Other people may be responsible for your sin, for your predicament. The sins of other people. Yeah? The sins of other people may be responsible for your predicament. But if you are God's child, Romans chapter 8 verse 28, quote from memory. We know that. It starts with, I hope you know. Not many people can say we know because they don't know. Okay, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and what we call according to purpose, according to His purpose. And therefore, if God has a call over your life, it doesn't matter what your predicament was because of other people. Since if you follow God, if you make a decision to follow God, God will still honor you. That is what Phineas teaches us. Look at what it says uh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have given power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments, and every lofty opinion uh, raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. there is a deliberate action that we take to destroy sin. You see. Therefore, coming back to Numbers chapter 25, so the plague was stopped among the children of Israel and those who died in the plague were 24,000 men, when this one man takes the spear and he destroys sin. Now that is an Old Testament example of what we need to do with our own self. If you, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, those who are christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and lusts and desires let let let, not be, let, not be, let me not boast in anything except in the cross of Jesus Christ by which the world has been. And I to the world. You see, there is a deliberate action that we need to take against sin. There is something. See, God empowers us, but we also have to be willing. It is not neutral. God does not obey uh, work in vacuum. Let's not stop there. Let's learn a second lesson from Phineas. Numbers chapter 31. The Lord said to Moses, Take vengeance on the Midianites. After that, you will be gathered to your people. So Moses said to the people, arm some of the men to go to war. You see, some of the men to go to war against the Midianites so that they may carry out the Lord's vengeance on them, send them into battle, a thousand men from each of the tribes of Israel. So how many men went to war? 12,000. But who is leading them? Ah, that's interesting. For behold this, oh sorry, Uh, what what, what I want to do is, this is is repentance, I'll come back to this. Numbers chapter 31. So the 12,000 men armed for battle, a thousand from each tribe were supplied from the clans of Israel. Moses sent them into battle a thousand from each tribe and then along with Phineas, the worship leader. Can you fight with sword? No. But I did fight sin in my life. Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the priest who took with them articles from the sanctuary and the trumpets for signaling. Let me tell you the second lesson I learned. You overcome sin in your life consistently, constantly. You know what God is going to do? One day, you fought your sin, fought it, fought it, fought it, fought it, fought it, never give up, fought it, fought it, killed it, killed it, fought it fought it with the power of God, fought it with the power of God, fought it with the power of God. You fight sin and God says, I see you. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use you as a leader so that one day you will be able to fight on the behalf of people who are struggling for sin, struggling with sin. You see, I don't want to just be a guy who overcame sin and just, I want to, when, when, when Peter would come to me and say, Vijay, how did you overcome sin? I said, you know what? I have an experience with God. This is what I did. Like, like Pastor said, you know what the joy of victory is? The high the adrenaline pumping that you get when you see that you have overcome. Oh boy! He said, top rank adrenaline pumping, right? you That's exactly what I experienced in my own life when I said... <sighs> University first, oh, heart pumping. You see, and, and when you go to, the, I mean, you go, go out and see the see the results. Like my parents used to get frustrated with me. I, see, they, I said, Mama, when the results are coming, Vijay, le ra result. But you know what? I knew that I performed well. I, I, knew, I wanted to get good marks. I was not interested in number one, number two, number three. I used to go every day to the examination board in OU. Our famous... You. How you know how the adrenaline pumps when you know that you have victory and then you said you know what I did it man and what I did you can do too. Why? Because we, we worship the same God. God is not a respecter of persons. He has no partiality. He doesn't show partiality and if you are willing and obedient you can defeat the sin the way I defeated sin. That is the reason why Jesus is called Jehoshua, the captain of our salvation, because he was made perfect through sufferings. He was tempted in every area, tested, and he overcame. And because he's able to overcome, he said, you know what, I understand what what you're going through. And because I overcame, you will also overcome. You see, that is what is happening over here. There is one guy who is not satisfied just to overcome sin in his life. He's saying, Lord, what you did to me, I want to share with other brothers and sisters who are going through the same problem, same sin, same struggle. I want to tell them, you know what God did for me, he can do to you too. I fought it, I fought it, I fought it by the power of God, the same power of God is available to you and we can all become overcomers. And that is the reason why Satan is after Phineas's here." See, there are two Phineas's in the Bible, by the way. One Phineas, an overcomer, in the same area, one Phineas, an absolute compromiser. So when some people name their chuns Phineas, I, mean, I need to ask them which one. <laughs> I remember when Phineas, who comes to our school, came to our office and asked the child, Beda, what's your name? He said, Phineas. As I said, you are the second guy I'm hearing who has that name Phineas. And recently in the pastor's conference, there's one guy, his name is also Phineas. I hope he's not the second one. You say, which one? Same Phineas. He becomes a leader. Huh? Are you interested in leading other people? That is the reason why, you know what? When you teach, you learn. And you learn when you teach. You see, when you teach other people how to overcome, you overcame the same area. You proved God in that area. You know what men, God is looking for men and women who have proven God in the secret lives. Do you want to be among them? Do you want to be a Phineas? Who's going to lead other people? Who's going to take revenge on the Midianites? And what does this guy do? What does this guy do? Pastor said, right? The taste of victory. Call all the five kings and put them under your feet. This is exactly what is happening over here. So the 12,000 men, next verse. They fought against Midian as the Lord commanded Moses and killed every man. Among them were victims were what? Evi, Reken and who? Zur, Who was the father of Cosby, the lie. What is he doing? He's not only fighting the sin, he's not only fighting the lie, he's fighting the demonic powers that empower the lie. Because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers of darkness. He goes and kills you. Who is reading that? Phineas. I should have titled the message. The priesthood of Phineas. Change that. Okay. They also killed Balaam. You see (laughs) what they did? They killed the Balaam, the fellow who actually caused the ideology. What it tells me is this, my dear brothers and sisters, you have a right to choose which doctrine to subscribe to. You can choose to kill the doctrines which will not empower you to overcome sin in your life. And I go everywhere. You see, I'm not boasting about my church. You know, I missed church last Sunday. I missed it, really. The first thing I was, I believe I was the first person who heard the message. And I heard it at one and a half time speed. Because I said, I want to listen to it fast. See, I missed it. There are very few places on earth where you are challenged to overcome sin. Where you are taught as to how to fight sin. That is the reason why you know what it says? The guy who, who's, who's cleansed of these demons, one demon has got out. What has happened? Seven other demons. This is the reason why we constantly ask you, you see, come, sit under the word of God. Let the truth of the word of God kick out every lie and every demonic oppression from your heart. It's a constant battle every day of your life. So you choose it deliberately to fight sin. Okay, and they kill This is revenge. So let me come back to this verse. This is the depth of what we call repentance. It says for behold 2nd Corinthians chapter 7 verse 11 for behold this self same thing that he sought after a godly heart godly what carefulness it wrought in you what clearing of yourselves what indignation, ye what fear ye what vehement desire, ye what zeal ye what Revenge. You want what Moses said? Go and take revenge on the Midianites. You know people take revenge on one another, but they don't take revenge against the devil. When God said you have power to thwart every power of the demonic world. I have given you that power. They will not be able to overcome you. But instead people are fighting flesh and blood. Taking people to court. And that to be before the Gentiles. Like we heard last Sunday about Lot. See. Whenever you have feelings of revenge against another person, you need to understand you are fighting flesh and blood. If husband and wife wife are fighting, they are not fighting demons. They are fighting flesh and blood. Hmm. Okay. Let's move on. Well, the problem is, it doesn't stop here, right? And just look at what it says. Numbers, this is this is this is a very stubborn, sneaky spirit, by the way. So, excuse me. What happened to this? They fought against Midian as the Lord commanded Moses and killed every man. Among their victims were Evi, uh, Rechim, Zur, Hur and Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balan, the son of Beor, with a sword. The Israelites captured who? The Midianite woman again. Who is heading you? Phineas. I mean, it sounds very typical, right? It's like uh, Saul, when he was asked to kill the Amalekites, he killed everybody except the best of the flock and Agar. Something similar is happening over here. In that, he just left the Medianite woman. Why are you again subscribing to lies? They burned all the towns where the Midianites were settled as well as their camps. They took all the plunder and the spoils, including the people and the animals. And they brought the captives, spoils and the plunder to Moses and Eleazar the priest. And the Israelite assembly at their camp on the plains of Moab by the, by the Jordan across from Jericho. You know what happens next? Moses, Eleazar the priest and all the leaders of the community went to meet them outside the camp. What happened now? Moses understood. Moses was angry with the officers of the army. The commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds who returned from the battle. Why? Have you allowed all the women to live? See how subtle this is. They were ones who followed Balaam's advice and enticed the Israelites to be unfaithful to the Lord and pure in in the pure incident, so they brought so that a plague struck the Lord's people. Now, kill all the boys and kill every woman who has slept with a man, but save for yourselves every girl who has never slept with a man. And that it. worked. What it tells me is this there is never a point in your life will you stop fighting lies. You can never relax. Midnight women are always there, even if you thought that you killed. You see, lies are ideas. You can kill a person, but how can you kill an idea? You can kill Marx, I was saying, right? But you cannot you cannot kill Marxism. You can kill Mao, <laughs> but you cannot. Kill Maoism. They will come in their packaged form. Again, they will look very beautiful and attractive. So, one of the lessons Elias or not, sorry, Phineas learns. My tentacles and my antenna always has to be sharp for, and I have to constantly keep asking God for the spirit of discernment. See, I can never relax in this battle against sin because sin in its subtle variants will always try to keep enticing. That's the reason why it says in book of Luke after uh, Jesus is tempted the Satan, Satan tempted Jesus how many times? 3 times and it says after he overcame him 3 times the Satan left him for an opportune moment. He came and he left him for an opportune moment. So you cannot just ever relax. See, that is the reason why there is nothing called relax in Christendom. I mean, spiritually speaking. You can relax physically possibly or you can even relax mentally and in your soul. But you can never relax in the spirit. You can never stop thinking actually. You can never stop thinking. No, that is the reason why we have these parks called what, what parks? Amusement parks. You know what amusement parks mean? Muse means to think. Amuse means don't think. So when you go to Wonderla, you have entered into a don't think park where you can let your guard down. Relax. Nobody is watching. That's exactly what happened to me several the one, the one time when I went into Wonderla. Okay? It's very interesting, no? How God captures you in the swimming pool. I was swimming and I was enjoying all people over there, swimming, swimming and I was, then, I know, I was swimming. I hit somebody. And the fellow got up like that and he said, praise the Lord, Pastor! I said, I said, who's this fellow? Oh. Uh, uh. And he said, remember you came to Warangal to our church to preach? Then I recognized why it is called amusement park and God does not want me to stop thinking. Because one fellow will be there who knows me and if I am caught in some uncompromised, embarrassing position, he will say, praise the Lord, pastor. There is nothing, I mean, I'm telling you, honestly, after that, I didn't want to go to Vandala. Seriously, honestly, you know, you don't know how Hyderabad has changed. How Hyderabad has changed, Baba, in 15 years? A decade and a half. It's become sometimes in some places worse than Canada. Oh, by the way, the maple leaf has been replaced by the marijuana leaf. <laughs> I spoke in some cryptic language. Okay. <laughs> Alright. See, never. So, has learns that lesson. Eliazar, le- I'm sorry, Phineas learns that lesson that he can never, ever stop being on guard against sin. He has to have his spiritual antennae always tuned to God. Does he therefore learn his lesson? Ah, let's check him out, please. Joshua chapter 22 now. Interesting. You're following Phineas in his journey. Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Who are these people? These are the people who said, you know what, we want to be on the other side of Jordan. We like this place over here. We like the land over here. We don't want to cross onto Jordan. And Moses said, okay, fine, take it. But all the men, you go, cross Jordan, fight for your brothers, and once your brothers find rest, go back and enjoy your possessions. Okay? Otherwise, be sure, what will find you out? Your sin will find you out. Where do you find that? Numbers chapter 32, 23. 32, 23. Okay? 32, 23, okay? It's easy to remember. Be sure your sin will find you out. So they said, okay, fine. Then Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh and said to them, you have done all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded and you have obeyed me in everything I commanded for a long time now to this very day you have not deserted your fellow Israelites and have carried out the mission of the Lord your God gave you. What do you do now? Now that the Lord has given you them, uh, has given them Rest as he promised, return to your homes in the land of the most, land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of Jordan, but be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, to serve him with all of your heart and with all your soul. That is one sermon in itself. I'm not going to go into the depths of that. Five things he talks about. And then, when they came to, okay, so they, they, they said, okay, fantastic. When they came to Geliloth, near the Jordan, in the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, the Gerets, and the half tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. In other words, they were crossing Jordan, and before they crossed off Jordan, they built an imposing altar before that. There. And when the Israelites heard that they built the altar on the border of Canaan at Geliloth, near the Jordan on the Israelite side, not on their side, but on the Israelite side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against their brothers. Now who's going to lead them? You might have guessed it, no. so the Israelites sent Phineas, son of Eleazar the priest, to the land of Gilead, to Reuben, Gan and half the tribe of Manasseh with him they sent of the chief men, one from each tribes, of each tribes of Israel, each of the head of family of division among the Israelite clans, when they went to Gilead, to Reuben, to Gad, and the half-tribe of the Manasseh, they said to them, what did they say? The whole assembly of the Lord says, how could you break faith with the Lord God like this? How could you turn away from the Lord and build yourself an altar in rebellion against him? Was not the sin of pure enough for us? Up to this very day, we have not cleansed ourselves. He understands. He says, you know what? I want to be sure that every vestige of sin in my life is broken. I don't even want to give chance to anything. Even if it looks not sinful, even if it is not sinful, my antenna will always be sharp. You know what they say? Hey, hey, hey. relax, Phineas. You know why we build this altar? We build this altar as a memorial. Not to break faith with God. And he gives them an answer. He understands the answer. He understands that it is a satisfactory answer. And he goes back and tells his people, It's okay. What does it tell me? He's sharp. He fell. I mean, You, know, you might fall in one area in your life once. But after you have overcome, you have to be sharp. That's the reason why, you know what it says? Keep abstain from every appearance of evil. Abstain from it. Boy, does Phineas not teach us the lessons. One guy who was a desert baby. A baby. Chinna papa. To a young man. With the papa. Who overcomes the devil. To a father. Who is concerned. About his flock. You see. The desert baby. Becoming a desert father. and actually, actually father from the desert. I mean, you see, that, that, that grid is in my mind. Love it. No, be, do. No, be, do. Finally, we'll, we'll end with this promise. Psalm 106. They yoke themselves to the Baal of Pure. And ate sacrifices offered to lifeless gods. They aroused the Lord's anger by their wicked deeds and a plague broke out among them. And what happened then? But, I love that. It's all written. Read that together. But Phineas stood up and intervened, and the plague was checked. This was credited to him. Ah, 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 ah. Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Phineas Overcame sin and the lies and the devil and it was credited to him as righteousness. You say, you want to be a Phineas? Oh boy, when I read Phineas, I get excited. I was looking for opportunities to share. One guy who was a desert baby. And when pastor gave the title Desert Babies, I was actually excited. I knew two on the top of my head. I said, Sons of Korah, Phineas. Sons of Korah, Phineas. This is coming to my mind. Sons of Korah, Phineas. Two desert babies who overcame in the desert and they became from children to young men and to fathers. Do you want to be Phineas in your generation? If you want, let's all stand up and let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Father, for this time that you gave to us, Lord, given to us, Lord. Oh, Father, Father, you come right on time for your children. You're going through some incredible, interesting times in our church, Lord. We know it. We sense it in our spirit. Shifts happening in the spiritual realm. And even as we've been exhorted to position ourselves to receive the anointing, I pray, Father, that you would find, Father, young men, young women, older men, older women in this church and my heart's desire is that every one of us father will strive to enter through that narrow gate so that we can position ourselves to, to receive the anointing that Phineas received to fight sin to fight lives and to fight the demons grant us grace to that and we pray as a church Lord Father, you said, Lord, you are not looking for numbers. Father, you are able by few or with many. You are not constrained. It is our privilege, Lord, to be used of you and to be used by you. And Lord, we have been given this incredible opportunity in this church. And I pray, Father, that none of us will squander that because of our unbelief and because of compromise. Grant us grace to that and we pray. That you would find genuine men and women, young men, young women, young children in this congregation, Lord, who will be Phineas in their generation? And there is a plague, Lord, a plague of sin which is, which is just like cancer. It's just spreading like cancer in this world. I pray, Lord, you will find Phineasus in this church who will stand up, resist the devil, and will stop the plague from spreading. This plague of sin in this generation. May you find Phineas after your own heart in the sanctuary this evening. Grant us desire and grace to that and we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.